1: inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org.
2: This episode is brought to you by MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink, inspiring public curiosity about food. Learn more at (laughs) mofad.org.
3: Welcome to the Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. Our guest is Michelle Chappelle. We'll talk to Michelle about Beaujolais, Gamay, Domaine Chappelle, and a lot more. We'll taste a Juliana, what, Juliana for our weekly wine sip. I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for the Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. American sommelier turned French winemaker Michelle Smith-Chapelle worked in New York's finest restaurants including Per Se and Brooklyn Fair combining for at some point six Michelin stars. Uh, She met David Chappelle in Beaujolais, got him to move back to New York, and both eventually packed up and moved back to France to make wine. Michelle Smith-Chapelle is the proprietor with her husband David of Domaine Chappelle in Beaujolais. Michelle, welcome to The Grape Nation.
4: Thank you for having me. Feels Thank you, you me. for coming in. We
3: are pre-Beaujolais Bash, which is part of La Paulette, and we are in the hotel lobby of the Beekman in downtown New York. So you'll hear a little noise in the background. Um, Michelle, let's give our listeners a little uh, context of who you are. So give us a little background on your journey in life in wine that got you to your current position, which is with David owning a domain in Beaujolais.
4: Yes, it's been a long journey, <laughs> taking me many places. But I'm um, currently living in Beaujolais, but I was born and raised in Connecticut. When I was 18, I moved to New York to go to school at Pace University, which is about a block away from where we're sitting right, right. now. Uh, so this was my first neighborhood in New York. It feels like a lot's changed. Um, started working in restaurants while I was going through school, and I eventually made it to Per Se with the idea that I wanted to work in wine, and um, I was quite young, and once I got there, I realized I had a whole lot more to learn than when I
3: When you got to Per Se, you didn't get there for wine. You just got...
4: It was a goal. I wanted to be on the sommelier team. Okay, so was, that's, but you that's first have to get I,
3: into the door.
4: Exactly. And work. Your,
3: so that's what happened. Yes. Okay. And as so what year was there, that about when you got to?
4: 2006. Okay. I think it was just shortly after they had okay. opened. Okay. So uh, you
3: get to Per Se, and yeah, and
4: I worked. I stayed there for about four years, but working through different positions, and uh, eventually made it to the wine team as assistant sommelier. Um, just out of the, curiosity,
3: how long had Per Se been open?
4: Um, if I remember correctly they were park. open in 2004
3: so only a uh, few there. years yeah it was, it was it, still it
4: was, uh, I, the way the timing worked out it was about a year um, it was like their their sophomore year of opening but right. maybe at like the, the extremes but yes somehow it worked out that way
3: so you work your way up to assistant sommelier yes
4: yeah who when, was the when head I, um, when I started there it was Andre Mack okay who I learned so much from from like Grace and style, and he was really an accessible person.
3: And Andre now has his own wine Andre's label, Andre's right? killing it. Yeah. Yes, he's actually. Yes. We're actually going to meet up at the Charleston Wine and Food Festival. Ah, he's going to be a guest. I'll tell him we sat together. All right. So, you spend how long at uh, per se?
4: A little under four years.
3: Then what happens after four years?
4: After four years, I left. Um, it took about a month or two to, to take a break. It was a pretty uh, intense in- work schedule there. Uh, so I took a little time off, and and then I applied for a position at uh, Brooklyn Fair. At the time, I was in downtown Brooklyn. Right. I was in either late 2009 or 2010, like right around that time. What
3: time? What compelled you? What did you know about it? Was there a buzz about it then? No, it or? was not
4: known. It was, it wasn't. Um, I mean, it was known by a few individuals who really like seek out restaurants and that were, um, right. that the buzz was there, but on a micro scale, you know. But there were right. certainly people, and, and within that community. It was unrated
3: you know, at that point.
4: It was completely unrated. There was no review. Okay. There no, was now no, no review, and it was quite different than how. It was after that. It was. It was at the same time. It was just like a, a prep kitchen, and it was Cesar uh, Ramirez, the chef, and a small team. There was one other person helping him cook and plate and do the food, and it was it was a very low key operation, but that with uh, but ran at an excellent level. as
3: so. Let's make a quick comparison. So you get to a place like Per Se, which is, you know, a hallowed, yes. Michelin-starred restaurant. And
4: very intimidating when I was young. Intimidating.
3: Shown, but... The wine program yes. is somewhat established. There's yes. bottles, trophies, and all of that. Yeah. You you have yes. the luxury, fun, and opportunity to be part of that at every level. Then you come to Brooklyn Fair, and it seems like it's...
4: Well, There's nothing at the time. It was a BYOB so restaurant, you, which made it you pretty put, special. Like,
3: you, that was my question. You put the list together?
4: I did. Yes, it took a little while to get the um, the the wine license. It was delayed okay. by about a year and a half. So. Um, when they opened, there was nothing. It was all BYOB, and it remained that way for about a year and a half after. Um, and even but through that time. But you were working
3: towards permits and yes, establishing a yes. list? Were you buying wines at that point?
4: No, you can't buy anything. Oh, right, right. I, right. I was putting the list together always right. and like meeting with. Frustrating. Um, I was meeting with wine reps, and I was going to visit wineries, and I was tasting, and I was going to portfolio tastings, but it was just with this hope that we Doing would actually... Doing all the wine stuff. Yes. Oh, right. uh, yeah. So, it was a scramble at the end, too, when we finally did get the license, which was which was incredible the feeling of finally but then it was the middle of winter and all of the everybody was basically on vacation because it was right around christmas so um, i had already a uh, i had already scheduled a trip to california as a tasting trip but i had to come back early to to really get the list together for the reopening so it was a scramble what how? and it was a three star restaurant at the time it had gotten three star michelin at the time before
3: they had wine <laughs> A license and a wine program. Yes.
4: yeah. So it was now a wild ride. This, this restaurant you're tasked with possibility. pairing
3: or establishing a wine list to Caesars Cuisine, which was...
4: Yes. But over there, so I mentioned it was BYOB, so at the time we were pretty lucky where people were coming in and bringing their own collection because they wanted it to match the food. So they were bringing really incredible wines, and these were things that... I wouldn't have had access to had right. I had purchased these are old vintages of wines and really just remarkable and it was a it was a it was a beautiful time it was quite unique so
3: did you have a little budget were you able to start buying
4: once the program was yeah in, uh, yeah I would say the the budget was flexible the the owner um who's still the owner right. he um Give a lot of freedom and flexibility both to, say, as of the chef with the food and the ingredients he was right. using, and myself also. There weren't there weren't too many limitations. Right. I limited myself, but there, we we had a lot of freedom.
3: So, you spend time at Brooklyn Fair. They eventually move into the city. Um, I think they are still a three star. But it was still restaurant.
4: in Brooklyn when I yeah. By the time, no, I know. Yeah, uh, it's but still a three stars. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yes, still yes, yes. three stars. Different location now.
3: But. Right. But you. Move along and move out of there. Why?
4: Um, why did I eventually leave, leave the position? Unfair, yeah. Ah, okay, well I um I was there for about five years working the floor and then for the last part of it, I for the last several months I was working on opening the, the new restaurant in Manhattan. Okay. Um and putting the wine list together there. And then my now husband, David Chappelle, he um he and I decided that we would at that point in our in our lives, our careers that we would move. To Beaujolais and start our own project, our own winery, and we
3: would. All we right, would so. Farm it. We set up part of your life. Now you mentioned something, which is another important part. Okay. While you're working, you meet a guy named David Chappelle.
4: Yes, in Bo- I met him in Beaujolais. Just
3: tell me that story quickly, because that's was, critical to who and what you yeah, are, what you're yeah, doing. Yeah, it was, it
4: was a point. It was a point that changed the trajectory, I would say, of what was happening. I thought I would live in New York forever. I had moved here in the year 2000. Right. I thought I'd always be here. I, I love New York, um, but yes, things changed then. And I, I was in it was 2013, and I was in France for on vacation, um, but teaching. Yeah, yeah, but always when I had a little around. bit of vacation time. Right. Um, a little bit of vacation time, I would always go tasting, usually in France. So I had about 10 days and I set up a tasting trip from the Rhone and, the, and it was going to end in London. So we tasted everywhere in between, like Burgundy, Champagne, Paris. Um, but on the second day of the trip, after I had met in the Northern Rhone with Hervé uh, in Beatrice Souho, I was coming to uh, Beaujolais and I had one tasting appointment and it was at Domaine Lapierre. Uh, Which BPM is a Marble. legendary
3: Beaujolais of maker. Of
4: course, yeah, yeah. Good stop. Really, you know, in all credit to Marcel Lapierre, who was really at the forefront of everything and, and made so much possible. It made what we're doing now t- today possible. Right. So, yes. So, I was really looking forward to this tasting, and unfortunately, we got there late. Um and Mathieu, uh, the winemaker, had already left because he had to go pick up his daughter. and um, So I left him a note and just said that we would be in Morgon. We have nothing else planned, so if it, you know, with huge apologies. But if it was at all possible, we would love to still do a tasting at any point in the day. We'll meet him. You know. um, and he did end up contacting us, as there's one bar in Morgon, So he figured out where we were, and, and he called, and he said, I can't come, you know I have already left, but, but I'll send an employee for my demand. So, um, as we we're waiting, we had a quick lunch, a couple glasses of Beaujolais, and then they uh, and then David showed up as he was working at La Pierre at that time. So, right. uh, yeah, he was the employee. So, voila.
3: So he shows up at your tasting and... Well,
4: he came to pick us up, to bring us to back... To pick you up, right. To bring us back to La Pierre for but it, tasting. But
3: it, it's sort of the old, the rest is history line, right? Yeah. I mean, you guys just yeah. spent the next... But
4: I go back with it now. I told him, okay, I knew, like, I knew immediately, you know, I had this feeling immediately, as soon as I met him, I was like, oh, wow. It's hard moved. to explain, you know, but it's a right. it's a feeling. It's almost like when you taste a wine and it's so compelling and you just have that, you, you have that moment and you're like, wow, this is something impactful and, and that's the moment I met him, I feel, I felt that way. So, um, so, but he says he didn't feel that way, but that's okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sure. It, that's why he followed you around
3: for two weeks.
4: Yeah. <laughs> um, we so you
3: get back. him to come back to New York cause you're here.
4: Um, uh, well he, he came with me for the rest of that trip. So that day we met and we spent the day, um, together and, and, uh, I well, actually important to note. So I had a tasting, I was trying to set up a tasting that day at Domaine Foyard with Jean Foyard, and he, um, would not take it. He he would denied my visit. He Why? Was, he's uh, La because he's a lot Pierre guy or something. Just, maybe because I didn't speak French at the time. I don't know. It's Jean, you know. He, he makes his own decisions, and I respect that. But, but I couldn't get into Foyard, and I really wanted to taste there. And, and so um, he then David, I told David the story, and he's like, oh. Well, we can just stop by. Let's just go. You know, it's like, wow, this guy's so cool. Right. <laughs> this guy is amazing. So we went there. We had some drinks at Four hours. It was it was a magical day. It was just it was pretty incredible. So after that, he followed me, uh, or for the rest of the trip, Good he trip. came with me. Yeah, we went to London, and then he. Um, had to go back to work at LaPierre, and I had to go back to work in But, but you New got York. him to
3: come to New York?
4: Well, he came to visit a month later, and then when he was here, we decided that he... Together, we decided that he would move to the U.S. so we could be together and, and try to make it work. And you were
3: here together for a few years, right?
4: Yes, yeah. Then we stayed for another couple of years here. Then um, what's,
3: what's the moment where you decide... Let's go back and do something.
4: I don't even remember, really. I, I I don't know. I think it was something that was building. and Okay. I don't remember, actually, the moment. So you moment. decide to I go back know.
3: to France, yes. to Beaujolais, yeah. with the intention of...
4: To set up our own demand, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Okay. We wanted to farm So that land that
3: was what year? We're, we're not,
4: 2015.
3: Right. We we're left not... in
4: just the day harvest was starting around there, like September 2015.
3: All right, so... A little further down the show, we're going to talk about the domain and you know really what's going on there. I want to ask you a few other things. Um, why the shift away from fine dining to do this?
4: Um, I, I guess we just like challenges and we wanted to, or certainly I do, I, I enjoy change in scenery. I like things to be new, challenging. I, did you
3: have enough of the floor and the hours and oh all for that? sure that also that yes was another, oh of
4: course yeah was I mean
3: could for, you imagine being a in, pregnant mom doing that
4: no I I mean I have so much respect for
3: the people who do it
4: yeah and just the the actual the, the strength it takes and right. the endurance and there's so a lot you have to to time for a new to.
3: challenge change of scenery
4: yes exactly and okay. I always I always had this idea since I was Maybe a, like a, younger sommelier that I wanted to live in France. I, I in Beaujolais when I went to visit. That was the first time in two thousand thirteen that I had visited Beaujolais. I'd been to France many times. Ever
3: to Beaujolais in first, thirteen. Yes, yeah. Okay.
4: And um, and you and obviously, obviously were it. taken aback by it. I loved it, and Beaujolais yeah. is one of the most beautiful places in the world. Like for everything for the landscape, for the culture, for
3: was there the wine. was there anything you did. At per se or at a Brooklyn Fair, that prepared you or helped you in what you're doing now.
4: No, I mean, I'm uh, learning still as I go. You no, are. no, no, there's nothing so to prepare like you. So it like two to... different
3: parallels. I uh, mean, yeah, you there's... were involved with wine. This is wine. I'm still this... learning. I get okay. schooled
4: every day. I uh, I get schooled every day in every aspect of life. But especially so on in a general
3: name. term, what are what are the most obvious changes you've gone through, and what are the challenges? I guess learning, but y- you know.
4: Yeah, to learn another language, you have to communicate in a language, uh, you know, you're, you're not always able to express yourself the way you want to, that was a challenge. Uh, we have twin daughters that are two and a half years old, that's, uh, let's say, having yeah, two kids at once. Uh,
3: Starting a business?
4: Exactly. We did all of that at the same time, too. It's like buying the house, winery, starting the winery, kids, the wedding. Like, I mean, so David, we definitely packed it in. David's been it around
3: easier. it, but, you know, you, it's sort of like a mom. You know sort of how to be a mom, but you really don't. Yeah, you learn you on the job. You sort of know how to open, right, a, a like that.
4: Even now I'm a mom, but I'm learning every day. You know, you, you learn every day.
3: Yeah. Um, so I, that's interesting. I thought maybe you'd get a little more out of your... Uh, past to help you with, you know, your current thing, but it really is, you know. I'd say
4: tasting ability. Yeah. Tasting ability would be the number Which one Which is important, thing
3: and, you know, because yeah. ultimately you're putting a, a, a product out. Yeah. All right, so you obviously have a love for Beaujolais, the region. Enormous. And I guess the Gamay grape.
4: Yeah, I, I definitely believe in uh, the excellence of Beaujolais and just how it can be expressed in that place. Uh, how it's very unique and, and the Why different not? Joueurs.
3: You never were drawn to Pinot Noir, let's say. Oh, of course, the- no, I love
4: Burgundy and this is the basis of my knowledge as a sommelier right. and Burgundy is, was, was and remains one of my first loves in life, of course, this, this is... Uh, All right, so we have to...
3: We, I brought up Burgundy. We have to dispel a few things. What I want to do is let's talk a little about Beaujolais. Yeah. Let's talk about it as the region and every, you know, the grapes, the terroir, the climate, just so people know where you are and, you know, what what uh, they're doing there. And then we'll talk, you know, about the domain and all of that. Um, So give me a little primer on the region. So Beaujolais... Is Beaujolais. or is not Burgundy?
4: Beaujolais is not Burgundy. Okay. Is
3: You're emphatic about that. Beaujolais
4: is Beaujolais, and it exists on its own, completely separate from other places. It has its own magic. And I think as um, when I was younger, I, I or as everybody does when you read books, and still today, you'll, you'll find the same sort of narrative where Beaujolais is southern Burgundy, and it's not. It shares the same apart- department. Um, when you are north of Romanes Tour, or if you're south of Fleury, you're in the Rhône department, around right. the 69. And if you're north, where Moulin Avant would start in the, in the town of Romaneche then you are then in Zone loire And this shares the same department with Burgundy, but aside from that, there's, uh, I think, more of the connection that people talk about is because it's written over and over. But if right. you are there, so you're, you're the, one the of those guys, the grades oh, are different.
3: Right, Beaujolais and Burgundy. No, it's okay. completely
4: separate. It's, All right, so it's, that, it's own magic.
3: That's the location. I mean it, it actually is closer to the Rhone than
4: it know, the It is, and the and the culture is closer to the Rhone also. But right. it's it's close to Lyon, it being about thirty five where we are in, in Renier Doret is about thirty five minutes north of Lyon. So All let's talk
3: feel and climate. Temperature, I mean, it's a temperate region. A lot warmer
4: ha- right now than New York. Come
3: yeah, <laughs> well, you got stuck with the snow, but you're not. Yeah, this year's really mild. It's not totally too. foreign to you.
4: Last year was brutal, this year is mild. But it, but there you get a lot of fog, it's uh, rainy, it snows a little bit, but more up in the mountains. Um, yeah, Do you it's get a little mild.
3: Mediterranean influence or not? Um, really?
4: You can certainly feel when the wind comes from the south. You get the mistral, and it comes in, it's very heavy, and it brings warm wind. Yeah. Do like last you, week we're in the we were in uh, we were working in Sharub in the in the vines and I was in a t shirt because the wind was coming from the south.
3: Do you listen, you've done a handful of vintages, but do you think or sense from talking to people that any kind of climate change or global warming mm-hmm. has an effect on harvests and timing? Oh
4: sure. Yeah, you see now and you'll um uh, definitely warmer vintages you saw with twenty fifteen. Which was a, which vintage, a, it was a right. very hot vintage, and even the best winemakers who had seen many vintages before that had a hard time like controlling what that became, and it was very high alcohol. Um, it brought a little instability to the wines, and and Brett was a large issue that year, where it's coming in possibly on the grapes or but with like the higher PHs, it definitely. Took, took effect of the wine. Then
3: when um, you go to the next year, give me the. the and then difference 16 to, was rich
4: also, and 17 again. So, um, but certainly not at the same level of 15. 15 uh, but was
3: 15 a decent vintage though, right? For the end um, product.
4: I I prefer to have um, lower alcohol in. Yeah. Or at least the. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure everybody in Beaujolais is pretty happy to see the 15s right. out. Where the well in Beaujolais, you tend to open many bottles when people are around. So if it's right, very high alcohol, really the party might not go sense for as long.
3: Whatever effect had on the wines. Mm, yeah. What about Tawar? I mean, the, cool. the, there's a lot of granite, schist, sand, sandstone. What?
4: Certainly, yeah. It's I mean, granite definitely rules. It's the it's the bedrock. It's the mother rock. Rules Beaujolais. And, yes, okay. and then within the different crews, you'll see, and also within uh, some parts of the Beaujolais village and Beaujolais. Um, the wines that are classified as those, so, which are usually more on the flatlands, um, but certainly in the crus, which are all up in the mountains, right. um, you'll find granite. It's Pink granite is everywhere, but definitely... Pink granite. Yeah, pink granite, yeah. Cool. Um, but, but from that, there is a lot of soil diversity, and there's recently been a lot of studies and um, a lot of digging around to, uh, right. to find out exactly what those terroirs are, because it, it has not been as defined as Burgundy, while Beaujolais has uh, less resources than uh, financial resources, and then Burgundy, so it doesn't have the same extensive research yet, but it's happening.
3: Um, And within Beaujolais, and within all that pink, granite, and other stuff, there are different regions. I mean, there are crew regions, right? I think there's 10 crew regions? Right now, yeah.
4: and In Beaujolais, there are 10 crews, which are villages that are given an elevated level, have been throughout time, we've proven to, to produce wines of mm-hmm. better elegance, finesse, uh, deliciousness. So... I mean,
3: we don't have to name them all, but, you no, know, no, no. Morgon, uh, which folio we, right yeah, is Morgon, Morgon
4: the, the most well-known on the on the Rhone department. Um, yeah, my husband and I live in, in Renier-Durette. Uh, and then there's R-E-G-N-I-E? one more...
3: R-E-G-N-I-E?
4: Yeah, and a bunch of accents in there. Right. Uh, R-E-G-N-I-E and then um, slash Durette.
3: Question, of the 10 crews, a majority of the wines are made in a handful of the crews, true? Oh,
4: sorry, what are you...
3: Uh, there are 10 different crews, yeah. Morgon, Flore. Mm-hmm. Aren't a lot of the wines that are produced in the region made
4: in a, a
3: handful of those crews? Like a lot of wine comes out of Morgon and...
4: Ah, sure, yeah. There and, are and regions where
3: there's not a... Cruise exactly. Where there's yeah, yeah,
4: there's there's a lot of um, well, Beaujolais is still pretty small. You can drive through all of Beaujolais right. where the crews are up from like uh, uh, Saint Emilion, and you can drive all the way down to to Montpuy, and it would take like half an hour. So it's a, it's a small region, but but it's definitely densely planted. And you talk about the Gobelet vine, which is uh, a high density planting. Explain So there's what that a lot is. of the land is covered. It's,
3: it's, it's spelled goblet.
4: Gobelet, uh, yeah. Or like Gobelet, yeah. Gobelet
3: and that's the way the vines are planted, right? It's the way
4: that they're trained, which is trained. a freestanding a free sh- vine where okay. it's not on a trellis. So it's a freestanding. Sometimes it's called bush vines. You'll see you know right, that right, more right. often in the United States. Maybe. And
3: that's, you'll see that all through Beaujolais.
4: Yes. There's a little of that are, are trained on vines, but basically when right. you're driving through, the majority, yes, is right. in Beaujolais.
3: Now, yes. before we talk about Chappelle, just talk to me a little about the Gamay grape. It's a thin-skinned grape.
4: It can be. Is it, 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 a hard it, it depends grape on where it's planted, also. Mint? I mean, um, no, or- in Go- Gobbley. Gobe- I mean, sorry, um, Gamay in Gobbley is is um, really idyllic, and depending on where it is and where the vines are situated, but you'll you'll get uh, a grape that is uh, shows. Flavors also depending on the vinification, right. you know, because there's a large variance. It's kind of hard to say exactly right. what it is, but but you get a lot of fruit flavors from it. Uh, it's
3: a low like tannin I've, grape, would you say lower?
4: Depending on the vinification, but yeah, if you are doing it in say semi-carbonic vinification like we do at Ardman. Um, and then you will have a, a grape good, and a wine with a texture of white wine and almost.
3: Good acidity too, And right?
4: Yes, high acidity to balance right. it. So it's a, a bright, fresh wine. That's
3: um, I guess now's a good time. Tell me what carbonic maceration is because it's very prominent in Beaujolais. It's yes. part of the winemaking uh. technique. Yeah, and then then
4: I mean it's important to differentiate also because there's carbonic maceration and then there's semi-carbonic, which the majority of wines that we uh, that uh, that you would drink, I would say, are are done in a semi-carbonic way, which is Uh, where fermentation is done in the berry. Uh,
3: so I, the berries are not picked from...
4: No, we harvest... It's a harvest, whole cluster? We harvest everything whole cluster. Whole everything's cluster. done by hand. In, in Beaujolais, you,
3: put in you, you
4: have to harvest by hand. Okay. And, and this is usually on slope, so it's serious it's serious work with the harvest. Um, so the grapes are cut. They're put into small bins. I'll, I'll just talk about in our case because there's, yeah. every domain has a different way. But in our case, the, the grapes are cut by hand. They're put into very small bins um, to keep them intact. And then we dump them directly into the fermentation vat. And that way we fill the fermentation vat. And once it's filled, um, we put a bit of CO2 in the it's vat. It's covered.
3: It's sealed. Yes. So and the, the and then we seal the vat.
4: So the fermentation is already going to happen. It's just is like a stimulus for it also. So we, we cover it, and then we let the fermentation start. And a little of that um, will be pressed juice. It's not pressed. It's like pressed by its own stuff weight. The from gravity yeah, the and pressure and that
3: will break open.
4: Yeah, the just called a tear, but it's free-run juice, really. But, it's but, just but from the pressure of the grapes on top of it.
3: So the fermentation, because of the carbon dioxide, and correct me or lead me, mm-hmm. happens... Because it's a whole cluster, so closed, in and the, the CO2... The it's not
4: crushed. We don't crush not the cru- grapes. Not
3: crushed. Don't. The CO2.
4: No, because it's not crushed, that's why the fermentation happens, happens in the berry. happens
3: in the actual berry, inside yes. the skin, yes. and then it actually. And you can see it. You know, down. after
4: a couple... We we leave it in for a couple of weeks, but you can tell, too, after a while, if you go to... Before you do the decouvage where you take the grapes out of the vat, um, you de it, you, you can pick up a berry, and, and when you pop it, you can see that the ferment has happened. You know, the color changes. It's... Lighter, it looks more like jelly-like. Uh, you can tell by the smell, the taste. It's so, but you still retain those fruit. I flavors. should
3: know this and I don't, but you need to tell me this. So the whole cluster is in the vat, sealed, and you pump in.
4: We don't do any pumps. We don't do any pump not, overs or. Not
3: pump, but yeah. you you add the the. the pump.
4: The CO2. yes well it happens naturally in the grape but as a uh, but we also add CO2 right through' um, as like a tank and then you just climb to the top the, of that and put a wand in and, it, and a small one Does CO2. the
3: grape break down or you have to pull Some it of out it does. you still have to
4: Some of the grape breaks down by itself but even when now it's that you do the decouvage, the devading, it's um, you'll still see whole berries intact and that's three weeks later. And so those just usually go... usually at the bottom, that would You be don't the crush. crush
3: them or what, those just...
4: Um, after that, we'll take everything out. You know, you got to get into the vat and right. scoop everything out by hand. Right. Um, and at the time, there will be a bit of the free-run juice also, which is put to the side. Um, and then we take the grapes that are still there and we put it into a press. We use an old press. traditional okay. long, uh press. Um and, and we press that, and then it goes, everything goes back into the vat. We'll mix together both the free-run juice and the rest, and then the fermentation continues, it's making it semi-carbonic. Right. Part of it was in the berry, and then it continued as juice.
3: If, if someone says to you, what effect does doing semi or carbonic maceration, mm-hmm. what effect does it have on the wine
4: um, I think for for us, it, we love the texture that it gives and the fruit flavors that it does. That it gives also, and so it definitely still can,
3: has a major effect on what you're feeling. Yeah, and, definitely, and, and the how you could bring the fruit out and all of that.
4: Definitely, okay. the texture of the body. Um, but but the thing about semi-carbonic is that you can still retain the sense of terroir. So you should be able right. to taste it and identify where where that has come from.
3: Um and most of Beaujolais does some sort of uh, carbonic maceration right
4: um, some people do full carbonic um, where uh, but but to some degree every there's other other places will crush you'll find a lot in um, a lot of wineries that are north of Fleury so say in uh, Moulin au vent and uh, Saint Amour. Right. And Juliena, well, they will for, do more of a Burgundian vinification. Right. And where well, the grapes will be they'll crushed crush. and then vinified as.
3: Right, so juice. let's. Not in berry. Let's take what we've learned about yeah. Beaujolais, the region, and the Gamay grape, and let's talk specifically about what you and David are doing in your domain, um, Domaine Chapelle. So you are located. You mentioned before, but t- tell us again where you're located. In
4: Renier-Duretz, which is one of the crews. It's um, it is a higher elevation town that is just on the side of, uh, just on the side of Via Morgon. Now. Like
3: isn't there a benefit to a higher elevation? I mean, I know it's styles yeah. could vary, but I think it's sought after.
4: Yes, yeah, but we we don't have vines in Kenya. It's just it's where our winery okay. is in our home. Our winery is at our home, so uh, it's all part of the same house.
3: Right. But they do you have property there eventually to plant? Or? I hope so. I okay. mean, I hope
4: that we can take over the vines eventually, maybe around the house. Well, I'd like them to be farmed organically. And so our our kids play there, and I, right. you know, it's our water supply. So I would, I well, would. La
3: Pierre like was a pioneer on sustainable oh, and natural. Foyard, who you yeah. mentioned, and these uh, are important guys. I'm sure David very much you know is a believer and practitioner no of course yeah
4: and he, he worked with La Pia for a while but he grew up with um, with them he grew right. up it's sure not he far from He was like L'Ajole. their
3: other son yeah you know, family, close family friends actually yeah. yeah. so where do he you he grew up
4: with his father was close with like Jules Chauvet um, you know father so where are you getting and... your
3: grapes from you know, the first few vintages you well, did. Well,
4: we started in 2016, <laughs> right. and we didn't have our own land. Um, right. But while David was working at Lapierre, who is uh, uh, Camille Lapierre and Mathieu, brother and sister team, who makes the wines there. And they helped us out. So they said that we can use their facility to do the vinification and also the elevage, the aging there. Um, so we did, and that's that's how we started. We made, a, we made the Julina uh, Côte de Bessey. From the parcel Côte de Beste on the northern part of saint Was that, Is
3: that a um, La Pierre property? Sure,
4: sure. No, no. You got
3: it from someone else?
4: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So okay. we, we started out in that way uh, in 2017 also, and we added a Beaujolais village to what we we're doing uh, from the village of Lantigné. And you were asking about the crews earlier. So now there, there are 10 crews and this village of Lantigny, which is on the side of Prenier d'Aurette. Also very high elevation, beautiful terroir, decomposed pink granite, and maybe is up to become the, the, the possible eleventh crew of Beaujolais. So that's a movement that's happening there. There's something to look out for. But we added a Beaujolais village. And then the following year in two thousand eighteen, um, just was last, last year. Last January, that yeah. That was we, an exciting
3: year for you guys. Yeah,
4: we, we got our own vines finally, which is okay. what, was Where? always the goal. Uh, we have two parcels in Shroob. Um, the village the crew Spell of
3: still for everybody so they know. Uh,
4: I hope it all messes up C H I R O U B L E S, yes. yeah. Chiroub. Yeah, Yes, so, which is quite hard to say, but so it's, you now but it's own a beautiful property place. property there. Yeah, we have we have two parcels there, which make up um, uh, almost two hectare, a little under two hectare, and then we have another plot in Fleury um, called Chaubonnier, which is also high elevation, what we focus on, um, and we've got a, a 1.2 hectare there, and this and the setting that's a it's a natural amphitheater that is, is completely surrounded by the forest. It's very beautiful. You, you look straight out, and on a clear day, you can see, like, the Mont Blanc wow. in Switzerland. And beautiful. It's a, a incredible, yeah.
3: So when when will those wines, have you picked them yet?
4: Ah, uh, Yeah, so we, we took them over last year, and we started farming them. So
3: sept- harvest season of 18, you brought them in?
4: Yes, and we vinified. Yeah, Okay, so, you work, vinified. so we did all the farming for the year, we did the. We started with pruning in, in January, and then went through all the, everything. Um, uh, Typically, we, when will we,
3: those wines be released?
4: Uh, we're gonna release the Bocelli Village soon. Okay. In a couple months, and then um, after the cruise will come after. So it, it depends on the the temperature of our surroundings when we when we bottle. But it's it's we So will the June. cruise
3: be around sometime in 2019 or into
4: 2020? Um, no, no, no. We'll we'll generally we we'll, we're gonna bottle earlier. So on the earlier side for right. okay everything. Um, so I think around June it will be in bottles. So it will it'll be.
3: So you talked about this a little, but. The winemaking philosophy and how you make wines.
4: How do we carbon
3: we, semi-carbonic maceration, yeah. low intervention?
4: Yeah, and ideally no intervention if possible. Um, we, yeah, I, so far we we've been pretty lucky. Um,
3: is there anything you do to, to make the wine?
4: We do a little. We it's a pretty simple operation. You know, we don't we don't have like any crazy equipment, and it's just Debbie and I who work in the winery, so everything is done. Is uh, so a, a about, low key operation. It's
3: about yeah. the terroir. Don't. It's about the weather that season. Absolutely, it should it's be a about, reflection of that. You know, yes, You, you yeah. know how you vinify and all of that, but it's yeah, really we're looking for
4: purity of expression. Right. Of, the, of the place. Right. Yeah, and deliciousness. I mean, I we we want a wine that you that people want to drink in open bottles and in Beaujolais. This is the the best compliment you can get. It's a it's a region that's very uh, that loves to get together, likes to find a reason for a party, who likes to. Uh, find reasons to eat and drink and socialize, and and you want to make sure you make a wine where the people you respect are going to drink your wine and want to open up another bottle. This is the goal. You've
3: gotten good notices. I mean, there's a nice buzz on the wine, so I would say not entirely as an outsider looking in, you know, that you hit the ground running, which is a nice thing. There's certainly congratulations to that. Um, One last thing. The grapes that you purchase and the grapes that you're going to grow are going to be also low intervention too, right? No pesticides, natural. I mean, that was the LaPierre way. You continue uh, on that?
4: Yeah. I mean, that's, and it's always the goal. For sure, everything that we work also, we, my husband and I, we work our vines organically. The vines we took over were worked in organic and the one parcel that was not was um, we're converting. We don't use any chemicals. We don't buy them. We don't have them, um, and we work everything by hand. Where you have high density plants, we do everything with a with a with a handheld plow. We work in a toy, like a really yeah. So it's it's sort of the style of the northern Rhone where you'll see the handheld plows on steep slopes, and and that's what we believe in. It's what we it gives you a reason to be proud of your work and. I wouldn't but I wouldn't want you, to do it any you've, other way and I've added
3: you've added hectares. I yeah. mean are you gonna have to hire some people or I uh,
4: mean, is, is it? Between right you two guys, between the two of us, we're we're good right now. At okay. the, we're a bit at the capacity of what we can we we can do at the moment. Just as we're growing, but um, but in the future, yeah, it's a goal. I don't I don't think we'll ever be that big. Uh, right. as we like that's to that's not an
3: aspiration. You, no, you want to no, have wanna full control, control we, yeah. and put yeah. out the type of product that. Yeah. Um, what about the business part of it? I mean, you got to get it in the bottle. You got to get it labeled. Yeah. You got to get it distributed. I mean. Yeah. Are, are you the one that spends a little more time? We on do it. The,
4: we do it together. Yeah, right. everything we do, we do together. So, um, but I'm more into that side of it. I would say. So right. he, my husband W, he has less interest, but so I, I tend to take over those responsibilities more. or you, you know, I have less interest in doing like the racking, so right. he'll do that. Or right. you know, it, so we whether share.
3: he likes it or not, he's doing it.
4: We share.
3: Um, yeah. You have a good distributor, Grand Cru Selections, who is very much into, you know, the wines and the winemakers and all of that.
4: Yeah, Um, they're excellent.
3: I I think the frustrating thing probably for them and the consumer is your output is very limited. You know, you're you're really a smaller operation, um, but the wines are available on restaurant lists.
4: Yeah, well, while we don't have a lot of um, volume, it's not the goal, we, more for us, it's placement. We, we want to be, we want to be on the list of, you know, my friends and people, other colleagues, people I really respect the work they do. And, and for that, like New York and other places in the United States, L.A. and, uh, you know, so many other places but are just really, really like top tier wine programs that are exciting like i just want to drink there you know there's yeah. things like wines i can't even get in the beaujolais anymore so there's do we
3: i, I guess with that. Th- there's not a lot of negatives but one of the negatives is that there's not enough to go around and a lot of people want <laughs> it and you want them to have it but I, that's you know burgundy's been that way for a long time and there are yeah, other wines we want everybody
4: who wants it we want everybody to have it you know it, right it's the goal
3: right Um,
4: We don't want to be limited or exclusive, but we do make small quantities.
3: We're talking to Michelle Smith-Chapelle. Michelle and her husband David are the proprietors of Domaine Chappelle. We talked a little, obviously, about Beaujolais and, you know, what they're doing. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I'm going to subject Michelle to our wine list. And we're going to taste... Uh, the Juliena (laughs) Juliena Juliena and we'll evaluate it and we'll talk a little more about the grape and the domain and all that you're listening to The Grape Nation this is Sam Ben Ruby. we'll be right back
2: This episode is brought to you by MOFAD the Museum of Food and Drink Featuring a variety of interactive displays MOFAD encourages eaters of all ages to be curious about food The museum currently operates MoFad Lab, a 5,000-square-foot experimental space in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, where Chow, making the Chinese-American restaurant, is currently on show. This exhibition celebrates the birth and evolution of Chinese-American restaurants, tracing their nearly 170-year history, and sparking conversations about food culture, immigration, and what it means to be American. It highlights the evolution timeline of Chinese-American restaurant menus dating back to 1910 and also highlights a tasting section where participants get to enjoy tastings created by the country's most talented chefs who specialize in Chinese-American cuisine. Check out MoFAD's tastings and extensive event calendar at mofad.org slash events.
3: We're back with my guest, Michelle Smith-Chapelle. Uh, Michelle, You cannot escape today without doing our wine list. We ask all our guests to answer five questions and you're pretty worldly in the world of wine. So I think you should do well. So the first question is, what are you drinking now? Not this second, but, like, yeah, what, what are you second. curious about? What's on your table? Uh, you, you know, know we, what's fun, seasonal? We
4: visit a lot of places that are closer to us now, now that we're... I would say when I used to visit France and I was a yeah, I would visit way more places and it was much more mobile. Um, but now we have, like, twins that are young and, and while we're farm. And um, so we tend to visit places that are local around us. So the uh, genre... So Jura, um, it's been a while since I've been to Burgundy. Yeah, I love Jura. This is also a any favorites.
3: I, can, I mean, can you give me something specific? You know, I love
4: Domaine de la Tornel. Spell um, de la, and then Tronel is T O U R N E L L E. They're Jenny and Francois in New York. Right. Sells them. Yeah. Right. But this is really magnificent work from a husband and wife team. Um, so you
3: love the Jura, the Jura. Yeah. Yes. The Emmanuel
4: route. and Anouillon, who make the wines uh, under Pierre Auvernois, their their work also is is terrific
3: wines. Uh, yeah,
4: and can't be denied with what else are you, very are you drinking? A lot of Gamay.
3: You're drinking a lot of Gamay. Yes. You try and drink everyone's it's kind of, Gamay.
4: It's very important, yeah, to <laughs> so visit with friends and see what they're see what they're up to also and and how things are are going.
3: You know, we didn't talk about this, and I don't mean to interrupt our wine list, but talk to me quickly about the ageability. Of Beaujolais and Gamay, it it drinks uh, it well ages. early, but yeah,
4: because it's very it's a, has that high factor of deliciousness. It's good when it's young, and it's like it goes back to that texture of white wine and those like bright fruit notes. And, but
3: can you lay so, it down for years?
4: Absolutely, yeah.
3: And what happens absolutely. as it ages? What do you lose the fruit? Does it round out? It, can, I mean, it can,
4: yeah. Of course, it's going to pick up more of the secondary right. notes to it, where you'll find more. But of, it handles
3: aging well.
4: Uh, so, yes, yeah, so the some of the best Beaujolais are. Can, can age for a long time. But okay, this is the spe- why Beaujolais is so special. You can drink it young and and enjoy it, and you should because right. it has the same. But or you can age it. It's a surely it's a complex wine, and it shows. It's got good notes complexity. Of, mm-hmm.
3: All right, second question. Do you, Michelle Smith-Chapelle, have a favorite wine and food pairing?
4: Oh, um, what have we? It doesn't been have to it? be
3: something you eat every day. No, I'm a little
4: boring. I, do, I eat a lot of vegetables, so okay. I've been a vegetarian since I was a kid. So. Um, but I would say if I needed, if I had a dream pairing that I cannot get in the Beaujolais, then uh, maybe sea urchin and champagne, Hokkaido sea urchin. With, uh, you know what? Or, yeah. I,
3: I forgot to tell you, we have a Grape Nation rule. You can't say champagne and oysters because that's too obvious. No, it's sea urchin. But nobody's ever said sea urchin. Ah, okay. People <laughs> have said popcorn, fried chicken, pizza. Yeah. So see, what? what is it? The oh, yeah. saltiness of the sea urchin? A little of the fish with the acidity and bubbly of the champagne.
4: Yeah, it's just is. And what did you say, George Laval? Or, yeah, maybe a George Laval, yeah. Give Blanc me another Blanc, maker or, you like. Uh, but there are so many, I love champagne. Is, I think we drink a lot of Jean Prévost right now, we do an exchange with him. So. Okay,
3: those are good. But it's,
4: it's very difficult to find champagne in in is Beaujolais, yes. Yeah. Really? So we have to do exchanges with people. It's, yeah, it's the only way to exist, yes. That's so funny. I know, it's another world, it's a bubble.
3: All right, we talked about this before, and I don't want to stump you, but think about it. Do you have a favorite wine, restaurant, and or bar? And what came up before is there's not a lot of bars of in, Beaujolais. In, in but Beaujolais I mean, in true, your yeah, travels, yeah. whether it's been in New York or while you're in town now, I mean, in, who does it well?
4: Recently, I had a, one of the most amazing meals in the 11th in, um, in Paris at Le Rigamoreau, which is a husband and wife team also, um, from New York.
3: What's uh, it called? La Rigamarole. Rigamarole, yeah. Rigamarole. Rigamarole. Nobody's in, ever mentioned In
4: the 11th. So. It's, it's kind of new, but it's cool. really incredible. They do that's, a lot of yakitori. That's why and, we do this, you know, for yeah. so the great Actually, one of the owners, Jess, she she used to be the pastry chef also at Brooklyn Fair, so we had known each other before, cool. but, but her restaurant is just absolutely insane. It's one of the best what in the, about, in the wine program there is done by woman Chris Lynn, and she has put together such an eclectic list that is so well thought out and, and her service is so graceful. She's really at the top of Rig-a-marole. what's happening in Paris right now.
3: What about your time when you were in New York? Anything left over in your mind? Good place or...
4: Oh, uh, good places? Yeah. Oh, this is, New York is the epicenter of... But what's of a good
3: wine restaurant
1: and here, or okay, bar? Racine, there's
4: a Racine, Racine. Racine, of course. Which is Pasquena's right down the block from is here. Is is insane. Give me one more. I don't. Know, I feel like I'm on the spot now. I'm blanking out, but um, those are good. No, but there's
3: uh, Racine is good. Pascaline and Rigamore. Danielle, I don't know.
4: Why I'm blanking out right Danielle's now. Danielle's
3: fine. Don't don't struggle. I don't want you to do that. Um, do you have a favorite all-time wine, or two, or um, is there something that you no. filed in your mind? And, you know, at the beginning, it was always, like, rare wines and expensive wines. Uh, yeah. It turns out the answer becomes more experiential. Like, we had this terrific champagne when we got engaged, blah, blah, blah. Can you think of something that, you know, still resonates?
4: Um, maybe a bottle of 96 Chardonnay made by Emmanuel Ouyon at his home. I would say it was uh, 96 with him and Chardonnay. I'm,
3: yeah. Emmanuel who?
4: Ouyon. From Auvergneur. What is that? O-U... H-O-U-I-L-L-O-N. H-O-U. Okay. Yeah. And on so his wife. They're, okay. They share the responsibilities. That's a great um, answer. That was really mind-blowing to me, and it was done on a blind tasting. It was his first vintage also, and um, yeah, that was... It just blew my mind because it was...
3: Good one. Um,
4: and that was more recently, too. That was maybe in, like, can 2013 you, or...
3: Can you tell me... The Best wine to buy for around 15 20 bucks retail. Oh, can you give me a red In and New a white?
4: York? Yeah, I think
3: New York would be, but but you get like Muscadet, we know is, is a good yeah, wine. Yeah, because that, these wines so are you can either give me brilliant. a category, a grape, you oh, can yeah. give me a maker. Like, what's a great, you know, good value wine?
4: Uh, By the
3: way, Bougelay, you know, village is.
4: Yeah, you can find really good like Beaujolais Village also for you know twenties less expensive prices. Yeah. yeah,
3: so we could put that as the red.
4: Yeah, do you mean retail though? Because I know like from retail. purchasing wine, so it's a different like retail. as a buyer. Well, I'll it's a help you with that. A different angle. Um,
3: what kind of white?
4: But I think you can still find really good whites from maybe the Jura that are I under it, twenty dollars, but a I Savignot? think you're right
3: about the Jura Savignon S A V I G N I N Savignon, yes. not yeah. not Sauvignon. Okay.
4: Yes. So
3: let's go with a Jura Sauvignon and let's go with a uh, bougelet village. Yeah,
4: okay. <laughs> okay,
3: those are good ones. Um,
4: it's for me thinking back too. I haven't been to New York in three years, so I'm thinking like are these still I know, values? It, I don't know. It,
3: it, it's tough. Maybe and now they're like I asked that a bottle. question everyone and some people are more exposed to retail, some people are less yes, exposed I, to it. Yeah. But there's still wines that are, you know, in your mind, you know, that are great values, and that's all I'm looking for. All right, so every week on the show, we taste a different wine at the end of the show, and we call it the weekly wine sip. Uh And I thought it would be perfect having you on the show to bring in one of your wines, and you brought in a 2017... Tell yes, me so we did
4: this one. is um, It looks the same as our regular bottle. It's a two thousand and seventeen Juliennea from the parcel uh, Cote Bessé. It was our second year of production. But while we there was one... so Cote
3: Bessé is the parcel, yeah. the parcel yeah. where yeah. the grape was. This are. is a
4: southeast facing parcel, just on the on the border of uh, of Santa Mora. So it's uh, also high, very steep, uh, high altitude vines. But this particular bottle was pulled. Um, this was a vat that we had that. Um, was from the old vine section of that parcel. So this is 65-year-old vines.
3: Wow, um, that's great.
4: Yeah, and we, we bottled it separately and didn't do any sulfur at... Um, well, while all of our wines in, in 17 are unfined, unfiltered, and we bottled with a little bit of sulfur, in, the, in that year I think it gave the best expression in that way. Um, but this wine is our Cuvée Red Wax, so it's the old vines with no sulfur at all. Well, we, we you just, add no sulfur. No, there's I mean, none, I know sulfur in,
3: occurs a little of naturally. Of course, in, in
4: naturally in fermentation, yeah. but no, no added. So we, we didn't, um, there was none in vinification. Uh, and then also at bottling, we didn't because we, we just bottled it because we wanted to drink it. It was tasting very good. while well, it was from the old vines. It was tasting a bit different, like taste, flavors of like dusty earth and rose. and.
3: Well, let's get into that. Okay, okay. Because so. um, we're going to go color nose, uh-huh. mouthfeel, palate. You know, okay. we're going to lift the glass up. But just tell me this. When you talk about, obviously low sulfur is very important.
4: Um, in, in a way, I mean, of- I would, the goal is never to do a high sulfur. I, but I don't, why do you like you said no sulfur here. Because we were going to drink it at home. We, we never planned to sell any of it. We only made uh, we made about 500 so bottles. So that was
3: the is yeah. there anything in the winemaking where you say this needs a little sulfur or a little sure, more? Sure
4: certainly if you need to stabilize the wine I, w- I would you, rather it That's w- it's what a, will determine. It's, a, it's the last thing we want to do because we want the yeast to work right. on their own so, so it's the last possible thing but if we need to add sulfur during vinification to save a Wine from turning into like a VA monster right um then so every vintage wine. every
3: particular yeah you go, know wine two,
4: but if we need yeah. to then without question I, yeah I,
3: I, I mean you go in with a philosophy and then
4: yeah. you
3: determine all right so I'm pouring the 2017 Cote de Besse yeah. the Domaine this, uh, and this Chippo. one is the
4: grey red wax so it's vivin old vines uh, and in no sulfur
3: okay um, and we don't
4: write anything on the label we just change the wax and, and we won't make it every year it's just if there's a if there is a wine that tastes particularly different uh, like a vat that's tasting uh, something about it is tasting special then we'll we'll bottle off a little bit and and wax and put red wax on it rather than the the traditional grey that we use uh, uh,
3: that's why it's the red wax To to separate. Uh Um, I tell everyone this all the time. We will post um, your wine list, answers, and the wine we drank on Um, all our social media. You know, our listeners that follow us can get you know specific stuff. All right, Michelle, let's taste the wine. All right, so we hold it up and we look at how would you describe the color? It's a ruby red. Ruby red, a little translucency. this yes, one
4: we don't do any pejage or any pulver so it keeps it, that it's light pretty color. pretty
3: clear, but mm-hmm. you know, um but
4: it's un-fine, unfiltered so there's a little cloudiness a, to it which I Yeah, but not drink. not
3: a cloudy, you know, crazy wine. All right, get your schnozola in the glass <laughs> and tell me give me your nose descriptors.
4: Well, again it goes back to that that uh, the initial flavor that I that I or the initial um, aromatic that I'm picking up is that dusty earth which for me is a, is a beautiful attribute where it has that, uh, you know, there's, to it there's a minerality to the wine in that way, so it gives it not just the flavors of bright fruit, which which you do want. It's gamay Definitely so red
3: fruit, some cherry, strawberry, yeah. right?
4: Yeah. And, there is
3: that and, dust on it.
4: Yeah, which is really particular to the old vines. And we, and we put some of this cuvee in the regular Julina in 2017, so those, those characters still remain in the regular cuvee, but they're not as amplified.
3: Okay. Let's... Uh, Throw it drink. over the tongue. <laughs> no, we throw it over the tongue. Oh, okay. We don't drink it. Okay, do we say but something? Tell me about mouthfeel. Tell me...
4: Uh-huh.
3: I get so acidity.
4: Definitely acidity is... Nice. Acidity is there for the lift. It gives it the it body a, energy.
3: A medi- very energetic.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, a medium.
4: A light to medium texture, yeah. Medium, was, 17 was still a rich vintage, so... Medium, negative. A, light to medium, right. Mm-hmm. It's
3: not... Yeah, but it's, it's very fresh in the mouth um, it's a nice mouthfeel nice attack of acidity alright let's and taste it and again going ag- back
4: to the texture of white wine so you have the smooth, yes. smooth tannins you're not yes. looking for, for um, thick tannins or.
3: alright let's um, taste it again and talk to me about the palate and tell me if any of the nose descriptors obviously carry over to the palate what do you get on the palate
4: same as stony minerality but a bit of stone um, red fruit you can say cherry like bright cherry yes like not too bright cherries. no because really not characteristic of uh, the region also or the, the the village also where you you get wines that have darker fruit but um, depending on where it's planted if it's on the flatter ground you start to get darker fruit aspects to it um, but where where we we, the vines are for Cote de Bessé, uh, where the parcel is. It's it's higher elevation, so it tends to stay cool with nice drainage, and it keeps. There's
3: something I'm getting. It keeps it fresh. There's something I'm getting on the mid palate, on the top of my mouth. Um, it's not the fruit. I guess it's the stoniness or the minerality. Mm. It, it not that it separates, but it's there. I mean, I get the fruit, but I also there's something very distinct.
4: Yeah, I I just always going back to this wine. It's just a. Like a, a dustiness, almost like a... I think that's a new, what it is. like, cigar box, you can sometimes I think that's, say... I, I, I was thinking tobacco, but not tea notes.
3: hardcore tobacco. Yeah. You know, the the elements of that.
4: Black tea.
3: Yeah, that's, that's what it is. All those interesting uh, notes.
4: Yeah, something other than fruit. That...
3: All right, so tell me, ideally, what a good food pairing with this is.
4: Um, I think Beaujolais goes with everything. I have maybe not sea urchin, but uh, but everything else. That's I, a
3: great answer. I, I mean, that, that shows you how versatile. But, yeah, absolutely. But if you had to pick a couple of things that are a nice within pair. You, you
4: do traditional what's in the region also where you would have for um, uh, Beaujolais. Really, it's a culture of... of of pork, so okay. everywhere you go, there's saucisson. It's always like accompaniment of, of uh, lots of cheese and different types of meat and go well with all of that, right? Charcuterie. It's this. It was really if you step into anybody's home, this is what they're going to serve you, and it's what you get in the locally in the region, and especially in Lyon, there are these, um, uh, these local restaurants that are called uh, Bouchon. and it's a place where you go and you eat and you drink and traditionally you eat the, and it's funny the, the lightest like. It's not a fish region whatsoever, which is why I eat much more vegetarian now and less fish. But, um, uh, but the, the most traditional dish there is called a canal and it's made from... It could be a range of fish, but it's basically like a fish, like a puffy fish bread with a heavy crustacean cream sauce. Really? So that's like the fish core. So What's it called? If anyone... A canel. Q-U-E-N-E-L-L-E. Canel,
3: yes. It's almost...
4: So if you're trying to eat light and Beaujolais, it's not going to happen. No,
3: it's almost like Unless a dumpling, at house, right? A quenelle.
4: Um, it's I don't know. It's, it's like a squishy. Fish yeah. Bread. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now they're I love it. I love. I love hard it. Hard to find them in New York. they took me a little while. Like, I, used to, I think the restaurant. Of La Guanwe. La Guanwe. I'm not sure if they. They have. have one. Them. They do. Okay. Okay. They
3: do. They're one of the. I last went there one place. time. That
4: was a trip. That was. Yeah,
3: that's a cool. It was a place. trip to
4: the Upper East Side, not not France. So it's. So you're York,
3: happy with the way amazing. this wine came out, right?
4: Yes, yeah, of course. Over time, you always tweak it here and there, but it, it, um, yeah. And we talked about 15
3: as a vintage and 16. 16 was our
4: first year, though, and it was also a ripe vintage. No, um, I know, but but just the vintages in the area. But but 17
3: as a vintage was a. Good vintage to work yeah, with? Yeah,
4: it, it was quite cold, too, during harvest, so the, con- the conditions were nice where we don't uh, we don't chill the grapes, so, but it was naturally cold outside. And where our, our, our winery, our home is, it's up in the mountains, so um, it, it stays cooler than the other zones. So it, for that, it was like a natural temperature control. All
3: right, one last question, and then we have to wrap up the show. Oh, no, uh, I was having so much fun. I told you it was going <laughs> to go quickly. Um, you have your property. You acquired some hectares.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, Are you going to vinify those wines in a facility that you're going to build or have already? No, we have our winery. It's it's there now. Okay. I wasn't sure.
4: They were really just helping us out to get started. And then in 17, 17 you are. uh, And that's where the winery is. Okay. So 17
3: was the first vintage in your winery and um, and the 18th coming will be
4: also, in f- we're in our uh, Very wine. nice. So those ones are, yeah, they're fermenting. Some of them, it's this year, are long ferments, and some of those wines are still ticking away the ferments. So. But while yeah, it's a little, little sure. warmer in Beaujolais now, you can, it's gone. I'm going. sure.
3: Um, all right. Michelle, thank you for coming in. Thank you. Um, for, let me wrap up here. Sam? If you have a question, suggestion, wine happening, or event, hit me up at sam@thegrapenation.com. That's Sam at The Grape Nation. You could follow us on Facebook, at The Grape Nation, Follow us on Instagram at the hashtag The Grape Nation and at SBenRuby, B-E-N-R-U-B-I. On Twitter, we're at ben Ruby and the hashtag The Grape Nation. You can subscribe to Grape Nation podcast now on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. As I mentioned earlier, we'll post Michelle's wine list answers. We will give you specific information on the weekly wine sip, um, exactly what we drank, um, And any other wines that we mentioned, we'll talk about. Michelle, if we want to find you and David on social media and Domaine Chappelle, where do we look and go?
4: Uh, We we have an Instagram. It's under Domaine Chappelle.
3: Okay. D-O-M-A-I-N-E-C-H-A-P-E-L. Yes. Domaine Chappelle. Yes, yeah. Um, And you don't post. Do you? Do Instagram on your own?
4: Yes, I have one too. It's under my, my name, so Michelle.a.smith. Okay. And then I, I post some.
3: Okay, does. Some photos you know what? I looked that. up David. He doesn't do a lot of. Uh, no, Instagram. he doesn't use it. He,
4: he uses the dealership yeah. all of it. But no, not too much.
3: And if people want to find out more about the domain, do you have a website?
4: Uh, we do. It's not very extensive at this point. Okay. But, uh, but anybody can write me a message on Instagram, yeah. and I'm I'm happy to.
3: Okay. Um, to talk. All right. I want to thank our guest Michelle Smith chapelle from Domaine Chappelle. Thank you for coming in.
4: Thank you. Um, thank
3: you for the insight into I, Beaujolais. I feel
4: so good to be back in New York.
3: Sort of a, an insight into starting mm-hmm. up, yeah. you know, a winery uh, in a very established region. Um, So thank you, and thank you for bringing the wine in. Thanks to our engineers and everyone at the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sam Ruby, and you've been listening to The Grape Nation.
1: Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you.